episode 184 of the Anarchist News Podcast, a digest of anarchist activity, ideas, and conversations from the previous week on anarchistnews.org. We hope it's useful to and fun for anarchists and the anarcho-curious. Give us feedback and constructive criticism by email at podcast at anarchistnews.org. For more information and usually some good commentary, see you at your favorite non-sectarian anarchist site with commentary anarchistnews.org. What's new this week? Liebig 34 is evicted from liebig34.blogspot.de. The heartbroken notice that the space has been emptied as of October 9th. Quote, even if the press, politicians, cops, and Nazis are now taking pleasure in our loss, we are turning powerlessness into anger. So many borders have been crossed. We shout no in your spiteful ears. You can have our house. You will never get our passion. We are so much more than this house. We are anarchists, feminists, queers, and anti-fascists who will now channel their anger and attack capitalist patriarchy to the last. We call for the demo from 2100 in Montbijou Park. We call for decentralized actions. Let us experience a wild and chaotic October together. 34 million property damage. We are already well on the way. Unquote. Governor Kidnapping Plot Suspect Allegedly Anarchist from longtime friend of the show, TheFederalist.com, by Avita Duffy. An attempt to redirect public scorn towards anarchists and away from militias. Not worth a lot of time, but the comments for this thread were kind of fun. A new shouldn't platform. Boogaloo are the hope for the future. Some neo-fascists hate Trump, too. Don't hate on Antifa. Purity is part of fascism. No, not the only part. Dumb shits will be dumb. At least someone was willing to do something, lol. Killing politicians counts as anarchism. Yes, that's a quote, because of course, anarchism can be boiled down to something so meaningless. Oops, I've started editorializing. Should probably stop now. Anyway, it goes on. Nothing like kidnapping attempts to bring us... together? Welcome to the 2020 Anarchist Book Fair in London, from anarchistbookfair.london. Very odd logo, apparently referencing Sherlock Holmes? What? But the rest of the artwork is fun and full of warnings about how red London is going to be, if you didn't already have a clue. This will be a virtual book fair, by which I mean it was a virtual book fair, so maybe you attended it and will give us a report back on the most interesting ways that the tablers were integrated into the content of the talks. Quote, Solidarity and unity being key principles to anarchism, we would like the 2020 book fair to act as a focal point for rebuilding cohesion in our community, fostering new networks, and developing stronger ties and understanding between us, both in the UK and internationally. Sharing knowledge and supporting each other's personal and political development in good faith is the call of the day. We shall ensure an array of workshops to cater for this, and we shall host speakers on a variety of topics. Unquote. Come together right now! Subversive Anarchy from Anon by Renzo Connors Subtitled, Individualists, Iconoclasts, and Nihilists Against Fascism, colon, Against Black Fascism, colon, Part 1, unquote. A piece on individualist and insurrectionist, sick, Italian anarchists who fought Mussolini and the black shirt fascists, in memory of Arminio Lewis, who died in October of 2019. Citing Novatore, Filippi, Martucci, and Aragoni, there are bits of biographies, poetry, and history through an egoist lens. Anyone who likes this piece should really check out Freedom My Dream, the autobiography of Enrico Aragoni, which is charming, funny, tragic, and epic, sometimes all at the same time. An interview with Tecosina Anarciste from CrimeThink. 
The Cocina Anarchist is the newest iteration of an international anarchist presence in Rojava. This is an update marking a year since Trump bailed out in October last year and eased Turkey's murderous occupation of the area. This interview has responses from three people to most questions, which I've already noted is a good way to get a range of responses as well as more information in general. They talk about the change in fighting, the impact of COVID, the difference between fighting Daesh and the Turkish military, what the U.S. forces are doing and prioritizing, and also what the Russian forces are doing and prioritizing. Quote, Garzan. Regarding the priorities of the USA, we can quote Henry Kissinger. America has no friends or enemies, only interests. There are different agendas behind U.S. policies, and sometimes they don't even fit each other. The contradictions between the White House and the Pentagon had been visible on several occasions. When Trump stated that U.S. troops would remain in Syria only to maintain control on oil reserves, moving away from the border positions where Turkey was about to invade, that was an indication of different priorities. On one side, the White House desired to please Erdogan, who was getting too close to Russia and threatening the stability of NATO. On the other side, the Pentagon wanted to control the expansion of Iranian influence in the Shia Crescent and curtail the advances that Shia militias made while fighting ISIS in Iraq and Syria." Unquote. Very informative, speaks very coherently to the benefits, and implicitly the drawbacks, of traveling to a new place to participate in something truly foreign to your previous experience. Attack on San Gaban, from roundrobin.info, translated by Act for Freedom Now, a communique. Quote, We claim the attack on a research center of the industrial group San Gaban in Cavaillon. San Gaban is a giant of French industry. We destroyed the ventilation installations on the roofs of their laboratories in Cavaillon with fire, as well as their main storage warehouse. Solidarity with the prisoners of the revolt in Chile. Freedom for Monica and Francisco. Solidarity between anarchists is not just words, unquote. Fifth Estate, number 407, fall 2020, from Fifth Estate. Posted is the editorial, which is reflections on BLM and the Floyd murder, also, the table of contents with links to some of the articles that can be read online. Stephen Klein and Frank Joyce write about racism. Rui Prati about Seattle's CHOP. Kara Hoffman interviews Matilda Bernstein-Sycamore. Nice to hear they're still around. And there are pieces by Wayne Price, Brian Tucker, Bruce Trigg, Gabriel Rosenstock, Fran Shore, etc. A lot of etc. actually. Also, Athenor is a kind of furnace used by alchemists. Now you know. An Anarchist and Trade Unionist Critique of Education, from freedomnews.org.uk by Mohamed Kugli. Part 2, the author's take on how colonialism has and continues to work in and through the educational system, primarily in the UK, but also the US. On the face of it, there's nothing to disagree with here, and it could be a useful tool in your ongoing fight against the hegemony in general, and the academy in particular. I think that it also implies a challenge to education on a fundamental level. Who determines curriculum? Who decides what is important? Can and how can students who are interested in things outside the understood purview of the academy be catered to, etc.? Of course, the weakness in this piece is made obvious by the title, in that the solutions are imagined to having something, anything related to trade unionism. Quote, We need to adopt an anarchist and trade unionist position. What I mean by this is a community-based effort to tackle these disparities of power. Theoretically, when it comes to challenging the issue of hegemonic education curriculum, it should be a bottom-up approach. In the sense that inclusion shouldn't be based on biases, the narrative arc should be one that satisfies the students democratically. We should be encouraging the students to vote on what they wish to be taught. 
This radical democracy will instill in the child the values of democracy and community. But more so, even if the child doesn't get her pick, she'll still understand that there is more to learn than what has been authoritatively handed down to her. The options of what they choose can be compiled by a group of democratically voted on academics. This invariably means that education should be a human right globally, so not to create another inequality of elitism. We've already conceptualized democracy. Why have we just limited it to politics? Unquote. Yeah, no problems with democracy. Nope. And I will try to avoid pointing out that it should be exacerbate, not exasperate. There. Avoided. Also, decent commentary in the thread. Yay! The London Anarchist Book Fair Torrent and Library Talk. From the Anarchist Library, everyone's favorite big umbrella anarchist project. Everyone loves a library, right? This talk with a librarian and a library user also offers a torrent of London-related texts from the library, curated by some friendly, not-your-typical Brits. So stream your little hearts out, you filthy pirates! Or maybe that's just me. If you missed the talk, I think it was recorded and will be available in perpetuity? Pretty sure that's how things are supposed to work now. Final Trial of Tongarong and Bekasi Anarchist Prisoners from Anon. An appeal for international aid for prisoners mostly on trial for petty vandalism who have been tortured and have now been sentenced with no fairness. We know, no surprise. Quote, This decision was considered by the three attorneys to be a heretical decision. The attorneys say that the judge issued a decision without at all considering the facts of torture and the fact the law is revealed in the trial as a whole. The judges ignored the fact that there had been torture against the defendants, violations of procedural law, and violations of the rights of the defendant so that the series of investigations, prosecutions, and examinations at trial should be deemed flawed because they used evidence obtained from torture, said Shalei al-Ghifari, one of the defendant's attorneys, unquote. No specifics of what kind of solidarity is called for. Use your imagination. Rally in Solidarity with Gabriel Pombo da Silva from Contra Info, translated by Anarchist News. A brief on da Silva, his arrest, some about the extradition complexities, and current status in prison. The rally was to happen on Saturday, so we will hope that it was entirely successful and all anarchists have been freed from prison. Well, that's what I'm hoping for. If you can't hope big, why hope at all? Anyway, in case that doesn't happen, his address is in this story, so write him. Arson claimed by long-live Eric King, revolutionary cell FAIFRI. From Anon. A communique, duh. Among other statements of solidarity to anarchist prisoners in West Papua and elsewhere, they call out some locals. Quote, we clearly declare our hostility towards the opportunist politician Benny Wenda and other shits at the ULMWP who can live comfortably in a foreign country while trying to take struggle for West Papua liberation leadership control. True liberation is from gun and civilian insurrection, not lobbies and air-conditioned buildings, unquote. Quote, we claim the burning of the labor offices building in the Regent Office Complex of Kiron, West Papua, during the riots on October 1st, 2020. We are among the masses angry at Indonesian colonialism. This is just our opening attack, and this is not the last. Get ready for explosion, an explosion that will keep on the track, unquote. Fingers crossed for all of them. Chile, looking back on a year of uprising, from CrimeThink. A very posy assessment of the past year of revolt in Chile, in pretty typical CrimeThink style, unlike the more sober reflections in this week's piece on Rojava. Quote, Within the social protest paradigm, it always appears that the tension between peaceful and militant protester must be resolved. 
However, this tension did not materialize in the experiences people shared in the streets of Chile in 2019 and 2020. Rather, outside spectators projected this tension onto the streets as a strategy to channel the revolt into a normative, legible social movement for structural reforms. Failing to bifurcate the street mobilizations, they promoted the narrative that the Chilean revolt could be reduced to the ongoing street mobilization rather than acknowledging the heterogeneous elements of the new community of revolt contesting territory. Unquote. Viva Primera Linea! 200 Years of Decolonization Struggle in Hawaii from JesusRadicals.com by Pua Aina An, who goes into a quick sketch of Hawaii's experience with colonialism, links it to Christianism, I like that coinage fine, and gives us two proverbs that I expect are worth a lot more than the time he gives them, and then reminds us that decolonization is not supposed to be a comfortable process, nor a metaphor. And non-indigenous people need to check their privilege. Oh, Pua Aina is a rash, sharp punk. Yeah. Audio and video. Anarchy and Ecstasy. Seven episodes from Immediatism.com. Here, Immediatism presents an eight-part reading of an essay by John Moore from the book Anarchist Speculations. For those of you who don't know, Moore was a British anarchist and professor, majorly influenced by Freddie Perlman, who wrote quite a lot about anarchy, primitivism, philosophy, theory, etc. I only listened to the first two sections of this series, 7 and 39 minutes respectively, but in the piece as a whole, Moore is outlining a form of anarchist spirituality and the breaking apart of Western political models. I will be honest, in audio format, I didn't get a ton out of these essays as they are quite involved and complex, but Moore's close reading of Paradise Lost as a basis for anti-political thinking and his attempt to use part of Zen Buddhism as a way to break inner societal conditioning makes me thirsty for more more. Fifth Estate Live with Fran Shore, an hour from Fifth Estate Live. So apparently Fran Shore is some retired professor and author who, as a quick internet search reveals, supports Bernie Sanders. <laughs> so yay for no anarchy on FE Live again. Robix and Shore start off the episode with a discussion of Camus' The Plague that doesn't really go anywhere, and then move on to what I thought might be interesting, a discussion of Shore's book, Weaponized Whiteness, which attempts to cover the origins of institutionalized white supremacy in the U.S. Unfortunately, all that really happens in that conversation is talking about how white supremacy is bad, and activism in the 60s and today is good. Less I. fucking stupid. Civil or Subversive, now on Immediatism Podcast, 17 and 12 minutes, respectively, from Immediatism.com. Immediatism presents two pieces from the Little Black Cart slash Ardent Press book, Civil or Subversive, which was originally published in the UK. In these insurrectionary excerpts, the authors run through an explanation of civil anarchy, i.e. pro-society anarchist peace police who, quote, apart from maintaining democracy's image of dialogue and permitted dissent, also is a recuperating mediator and handily picks up services for the state and businesses, curbing some of their excesses to allow the smoother functioning of the system, unquote. No to the herd of civility. Yes to the fire of riots. Woohoo! What is anarchism? 35 minutes from NP-fucking-R. Anarchism is clearly having a mainstream media moment, and while I'm not 100% sure what that says about the current moment, it does certainly bring up the question of whether anarchists should shy away from or embrace it in some manner, and in either case, how we do it. Now, in terms of this NPR piece, I think we all know it was never going to be great. With the ever-present Kim Kelly, the published by Penguin Ruth Kinna, and William C. Anderson as the not-totally-expected, 
but definitely meant to be wholesome guests, we get the talking points you'd expect. Anarchy isn't chaos, it's actually very orderly. Anarchists aren't bomb-throwing terrorists. Anarchists are nice and fluffy people who do mutual aid, etc. What this will do for the typical NPR listener's view of anarchism, I really have no idea. Shout out to the caller who talked about all civilized societies needing governance. (laughs) But how anarchists deal with mainstream media, particularly during a time when we've been revived as America's boogeyman, should probably be a bigger topic of discussion. Does having people like Kim Kelly acting as the face of anarchy allow others to work in the shadows with less interference? Does it mean that anything which moves outside that cute and cuddly frame becomes a target for increased repression? Should we be trying to get on mainstream media and news outlets to say that actually anarchists do sometimes throw bombs and that's actually kind of cool because explosions? Many more questions. Topic of the week, an anarchist's day in 2020. I've been finding myself with little excitement about my day-to-day these past couple months, years. Get up slowly, check my phone, eat, hop on the computer, exercise, social activity, eat, kill time, sleep. Maybe this is an abnormal schedule, but it seems to be quite standard, at least for those around me. Routine is a useful tool for surviving in the world, but I don't need to tell you that it can feel incredibly constricting. Maybe I should relish my leisure time, but it hardly feels like my own. The easily accessible time killers like Netflix, social media, booze, and porn are filled with other people's values and desires, but there's little, if any, of myself in those activities. So I want to transform the mundane parts of my life, or at least feel affirmed in my frustration with them, but I'm lacking ideas. Do you allow the facile pastimes in your life fully with conditions, or simply not at all? If not, what do you do with your downtime on any old day? Is a conscious, playful, exploratory creation of our own motions through space possible from my couch? What does a mundane day in the life of an anarchist look like in 2020? Be specific. Thanks to Bugs for sharing this topic of the week via email. Greetings, Anarchy Land. Ariel here on a very mundane Sunday afternoon. I have on the line with me Dominique. Hi, Dominique. Hello. Hi, welcome. I feel like we haven't talked to you in a long time. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. It's nice to hear from you. Uh, So I don't feel like I have much very interesting to say about this topic. And I'm not entire. I I had a hard time figuring out how to make it something interesting. I went through the comments and Chisel left a really great comment. Thanks, Chisel. uh, About using this time to um, slow down and pay a little more attention and maybe be a little more reflective uh, in our in the kind of constant busy rush of the lives that we live. And on top of that, with social media kind of media poking and pulling at us to have to engage in 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 quick, instant responses um, to the things going around us, going on around us in the world. Um, so I liked that idea. Um, and I was thinking about, uh, the mundane schedules that we choose and the mundane schedules that we don't choose. Uh, yeah, I don't know. What's, what do you think? What do you get out of this, Dominique? 
Um, I, yeah, I like the idea of slowing your pace down. I think that's always, always a good idea, really. But part of my reaction is that things were already mundane before when we could go, when we could go sit down in a restaurant or work our normal jobs or go to the park or whatever. It was still banal everywhere. Um, and then I think there's a, a lesson about how crisis is not going to be as exciting as it's portrayed. Um, if that makes sense. No, it does. It's actually, I hadn't even thought about this, but of course it's really, it's really easy for us to sit around now and think about how amazing our lives were when we could go out. But mostly mm -hmm. that's not really true. It was different. It probably involved more people. There were more opportunities to be social, but you're absolutely right. Most of it was just as mundane and banal then as it is now. You just had more options about how you break up your day. But maybe that's the point. Maybe that's yeah. all you need. It's just more options. <laughs> I don't I don't know. Yeah. I mean I would like to have more options, but the the degree of options that you would need to become the freedom the anarchists uh talk about is an ideal. I don't think we're gonna get there from uh, Netflix subscriptions or <laughs> Amazon. <laughs> Possibly not. I feel like you're you're going out on a limb here. You're really you're really staking a claim. <laughs> I know. I hate to be controversial. That's it. Um, it's but all for come me down. personally, I'm oh yeah. We're almost there. We got it. I mean, okay, so two things also in general is um, I never received unemployment, and I've still been working through this. So that's been interesting with my relationship to work and consumption is is different in some ways. Yeah. I don't know. But and to be totally honest, uh, at this point, if there would have been some kind of socialist candidate that is like, we're going to pay you to watch Pornhub, I would be like, I think I might actually go vote for my own own needs. Um, but it just doesn't work that way, there, I think. I'm not an economist. but And I guess ultimately, um, not to be conspiratorial, it's just being isolated how we are it's like pretty convenient uh for capitalism you know that be on be more tied to technology and comforts and less human interaction is pretty much what everything has been moving towards so yeah and i mean we've plenty of examples of the rich getting richer. In fact, I was listening to an interview uh, on the radio in the last week where they were talking about the people who had, who understood what was happening when 
when the, when COVID was coming and could mm-hmm. forecast what that was going to do to the economy and then invested and hedged and placed bets accordingly and got rich off of it. And and it was basically yeah. and in like a whole twenty minute interview about how that's not fair, it's not appropriate, and people should be held accountable. And I was I listened to it mostly because I just couldn't believe it. And I was waiting for the economist on the panel to go what the hell are you talking about? This is exactly how this is supposed to work. <laughs> yes. This is what we built this for. Uh, and it wasn't that. It was a lot of hand-wringing about the injustice of it all. And I was, st- yeah, just stunned. Just absolutely stunned. But the other thing that what you say brings up is that we have this conversation crouched in the premise that everyone's lives are really different And as you just pointed out, that's actually not true for everyone. So I know that you had a job uh, that was more people involved when this started, right? Mm -hmm. So so I'm assuming. So so the big change for you was you had to find another job because that job wasn't an option anymore. True. But like you've been working and you didn't get the big unemployment check. And so... Like the, it seems like many of the daily patterns of your life haven't changed. You still have to go to work and you still have to build the rest of your day around the fact that you still have to go to work, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, definitely the daily life uh, in a general way is is the same. Uh, But I'll say um, more than isolation... I think that I've noticed more that I'm part of a large group of humans, I guess, that it's drawing my attention to being like, oh, I'm a person. We live in a society, hashtag. Like, and it's <laughs> something strange is that I, I feel a little bit more yearning for community in a less abstract way like relationships with people um seem a little more important to me of trying to nurture them than before when it's like you could just go to some other group of people now it's it's harder so um i generally think a crisis is is good for for me as an individual because I wasn't happy with how things were before. I don't want to go back to normal. Also don't want to be utopian like that. We're going to just always have a cathartic experience, but there there's more of that than I expected. Hmm, Interesting. So you feel like this forced you into a new normal and you like the new normal better. Uh, yeah, I mean, or maybe it's like my experiences that I just kind of came through a bunch of trauma that I'm, I grew up in 
like going to solitary confinement or, and I even jokingly say it's like the experience of being native. It's like now I think people can kind of understand, I can relate to people more because now they're scared and traumatized. I don't know if that's <laughs> healthy to say, but I don't know. I actually, just like it. I think it's, it actually is pretty healthy to say. Uh, very early on in the beginning when the shelter in place was still in effect here in the Bay Area, um, I was listening to a podcast um, of a man who does a podcast where he engages with people about uh, their anxieties, their um, the things that they're concerned about, the things that are afraid of them. and And what he, and so lots of people were, uh, were it was amplifying the things that already freaked them out, the shelter in place and and people who were germaphobes or people who um, uh, you know had a specific routine and that routine brought uh, like peace and simplicity to their day. but this was disrupting that and increasing the anxiety and people not being able to see their therapists and it's and it making it harder for them to get their medications and all these things but there was this other group of people that he was talking to that were the paranoid uh agoraphobic um germaphobic isolated people who basically the plague comes in it's starting to control ours. It's starting to kill everybody. Now nobody can leave their house. And these people were like, see, we were right. <laughs> We've been telling you fuckers about this shit for years. And that literally he, he was dealing with all these people who were in this like really like elated and liberated space. And cause they were vindicated and they were, and uh, so, and, and also like, and also, and also because of that reason, because, they got to go, see, now you know how I feel. Now you know how I've always felt. This has been my life. And you're scared <laughs> yeah. and you're anxious and you can't leave your house. And you, like, it's not great, right? See? Uh, which I thought was, mm -hmm. of course, both funny, and, but really, but absolutely interesting. So, um, yeah, I think that's absolutely appropriate. Uh, we are, I think, as Americans, uh, we are frequently far too comfortable uh and lots of things we take lots of things for granted because they're really easy um and 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 then as you you know kind of move through the the class and race strata and those th and for the for the people for who that's not true i think there's a nice little bit of you know what goes around comes around uh and i'm okay with that i'm a, but i'm a little vindictive yeah. i'll admit it uh Sure. No, it's, I ride for spite, but <laughs> exactly. it's also, you know, it's all about people uh, being able to relate to each other, not necessarily purely retribution, you know, and I think ultimately with this topic, if people were saying, I'm bored, what's an anarchist way to be bored? together or something i just think uh there's not a always there's not a single answer there's not some uh life hack to figure this out and people come at it from different experiences and um but i mean we're still out here i guess i haven't talked to uh anarchist people like in a 
in a mass broadcast way in a while, but I'm like, we're smart and we're still out here. You know, that's kind of my, my thought for today. Well, I'm a fan of the adage that if you're bored, you're boring. <laughs> um, which somebody in the comment thread attributed to chisel, which is great. I have no, I, I do not remember at all where I got it from, but I feel like it's been in my head for a long time. Um, and yeah, I guess I, 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 I guess maybe that that's what I have to say is that so, uh, well, thanks for talking to me. Uh, absolutely. So yeah, take care in anarchy land, find something new and interesting to do. Um, yeah. Watch your backs and be safe and stay angry. And until next time, bye. Don't say you're bored. There's so much to do. Come on, let's explore some ideas with you. Draw a picture of a house and a tree. Hang upside down like a cheeky monkey. Kick a ball around the park. This week's podcast was sound edited by Greg. The What's New was written and read by Chisel and Greg. And we thank Ariel and a friend for their help with the topic of the week, A Day in the Life of Anarchists 2020. To learn more, anarchist and anti-political books, pamphlets, and other material are available at littleblackheart.com for news by and or about anarchists and up to the minute commentary. See you at anarchistnews.org and or the Anarchist News IRC chat room linked on A News and or Antisocial on Pleroma. Put the dots in the right place is 